Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Dylan Krause. Bit to be like, no, this is not about you. This is about him. Enter into worship before we start. And that's, that's good. The reality behind all that that was like wrecking me in the middle of worship is the fact that we don't worship him because we were told to. Like in inauthentic worship. We worship him because he's been good to us. We worship him because he loves us and we've experienced it. We've, we enter into like real, authentic, passionate worship when he comes and shows himself to us and we go, oh, that's God. Like, holy cow, this is why I'm worshiping you. And then your hands go up and then your heart melts wide open and then you fall on the floor and you're bawling your eyes out because all of a sudden you've seen God for who he really is and it totally makes you come unglued. And it's like, Right at the end of worship there where Andy started singing and he's, he was like making everybody sing out and he wasn't singing and it was really, really awesome. And it's like, for me, like I just come alive when I'm starting to sing these words back to God because you and I, we were created for this, right? Like have you ever been in the middle of worship and a song drops into your spirit and you just start singing out to God and you explode in like authentic and genuine praise? Because you were created to worship him, right? And if you're going to worship him in in spirit and in truth, the best way that that's going to happen is that he would become real to you, okay? So if we're really going to honor God in the presence of God and honor him in worship, you know what what your responsibility is In in this whole agreement? Be loved by him. That sounds doable to me. Like, this was the covenant that he made was, yeah, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to love you. You're going to be so, so over your, over the hill, like excited and thankful that you're going to fall in love with me and worship me. Come on, guys, this is so easy to do. Like, I'm like, like probably a little bit too much in the beginning. Like, come on, we got to like focus on God and worship him. What the heck? We're going to honor him by him loving us first. This is what this is how it works. This is exciting to me because I don't I'm not responsible for stirring up something that's not there. I just get to receive the reality that God loves me and he's never stopped loving me and he's never been far away from me and then that gets to explode in me as worship. Can you tell that I'm a little bit exploding? Oh my gosh. This is so awesome. This is this is okay, this is how God makes a covenant with a man. He did this with Abraham. He said, go get all of the animals. We're going to cut them in half. And then, and then I'm going to put you to sleep so that you can't screw it up. This is literally what happened in the Old Testament. He said, okay, we're going to make a covenant. I'm going to be your God forever, and I'm going to take care of everything. All of your enemies I will destroy, and I will make your, you famous from genera- for generations and generations, and your, your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. Go ahead, count them. I dare you. And he's like, I'm done. I can't count anymore. I'm done with that. And God says, this is what I'm going to do to prove it to you. We're going to make a covenant. And it's like, you know, like the marriage covenant, you know, it's like you get two people up for a wedding and they say in sickness and in health for better or for worse and all this stuff. And they're like signing, you're literally signing your life away to this other person saying, no matter what, I'm going to be there for you. No matter what, I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm dying for you. 
And instead of this, like, joint agreement, like, where, that happens between a husband and a wife where you go, yes, no matter what happens, no matter what, what you do, no matter what, if you're sick, no matter anything that happens with you, like, I'm going to be there for you. And then the other person promises back. It wasn't like that between us and God. He said, no, don't worry. I'll take care of both sides. You go to sleep. And I'll promise on myself, because there's nobody else better than me, to promise that I'll be there for you forever and take care of everything on my own. And all that you have to worry about doing is being loved by me. (sighs) Come on. This is so awesome. This is so great because it takes the edge off of, like, this performance-based mentality that we get through our culture of just going to school and trying to be the best kid at your, in your parents' house so you get your allowance at the end of the week and trying to earn everybody's love and respect. It goes into a whole other realm where you get to live in love that you don't deserve. You get to live in love that Jesus deserved for being perfect, and he puts in your lap and goes, it's a gift, it's for free, enjoy it. Guys, if this is true, I'm really happy because that would be great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wouldn't you sign up for that? Wouldn't you sign up for that deal? Like, okay, so for real, what all that's going to happen is that you're going to be really, really good to me, and my only responsibility is to be thankful. That's amazing. <laughs> I think I'll take that deal. So why do we get so caught up why did why how can we possibly like miss this like one time I remember being in this room during my um, ministry school that Katie and I were in together and we were reading the Bible and we were reading about Exodus right how many of you ever read Exodus the story of Moses and he's got all these slaves and he says they let that God was with them and he led them in what it was like a pillar of what in the daytime cloud right because you can't see cloud at night, probably too good. But fire by night, so you can make sure you see it. And he splits the what? The sea right in front of him, and they walk across on dry ground, and then all the other guys are coming after him, and he, like, crashes over him. You guys seen Exodus, God and Kings, that movie? That scene is pretty rad. But anyway, and, like, I'm sitting here going, like, how did they get to the other side of that sea and just like piss and moan about having to eat day-old bread all the time or whatever, not day-old bread, but, but this manna stuff that came out of the sky. You don't have any food and you don't have any way to make food and God's giving you stuff that just appears and you're going to go, I don't like it, this is stuck, I don't know, pass the salt. What the heck? Guys, honor is so, so wrapped up in the kingdom of God in your life. That's why we want to focus on it this month. These guys totally dishonored the provision of God in their life. And you know what? They took a 40-day journey, right? Have you guys ever heard this before? Literally from, from the, the bank of the sea to the promised land. It should have taken them 40 days to walk there with millions of people and children and camels and, and all their stuff, you know? They didn't have no Mack truck or, you know, rental bus or anything like that. They were just hoofing it. And there was not even anybody to, like, bum a ride off of. They were by themselves. And they should have been there in 40 days. And instead, they, God call, made them circle around and around and around and around and around until it literally, literally, literally took them 40 years to get where they were going and should have only taken them 40 days. 
So, why is this important to you? Do you want to live a life that is just like always like suppressed and like, okay, Damick, you get the 15-year-old version of life for the rest of your life. Come, give me a break. You guys are old enough, responsible enough, and you have enough skills and understanding to realize something for yourself tonight that if you can get a lifestyle of honor inside of you, that it will propel you into the next season and the next season and the next season. It will cause you to walk right into your promised land, right into your destiny. And if you choose to complain and to, and to lose your life in this, in this cycle of why can't I be like them or why didn't we get this instead, and you will just wander. And you'll be a 32-year-old man drinking beer and playing PS7 in your mama's house. And I'm going to smack you if you get there. Gosh darn it, will you just listen to me tonight? If you can get this, if you can get this in your heart, if you can choose a lifestyle of honor, you will fly. You will soar. You will go to to the dreams that you have. You will fulfill the destiny that you have. So what does that look like? It looks like a lot of different things, okay? It looks like honoring God. What does that look like? Well, you're going to honor him with your time, right? you got to honor God with your time. Amelia was just talking about this when she closed worship. The feeling that she had was the, just the jealousy for your time that God had. Do you guys realize that the only reason God sent Jesus was because he wanted to be in relationship with you? That if the only reason he came was so that he could know you personally. That's crazy. If it was just supposed to be, uh, well, come to church on Sunday and sing about me, and, you know, that's it, I'm staying in heaven, bro. I ain't coming down to your smelly earth. I ain't coming down there and sweating. I'm not coming to work for nobody. Not, if I, not unless I can have you personally and intimately. Not unless I can know you and be known by you. Come on, he didn't do something foolish. He didn't just leave heaven, the best freaking place ever, to go like, hey, Luke, yeah, read your devotional in the morning and, and follow the rules. Bull crap, man. Come on. He came because he wants to have a hold of you. And he wants to let you know that you can hold on to him, that he's there for you, that he's going to always be there, and that he's the one that you look to. Like in every circumstance and situation of your life, you're like, Got my gospel lean, just going to lean on Jesus on that. Yeah, I live in the hood. Trent knows what I'm talking about. People got these gangster leans. I got gospel lean, bro. I'm leaning deep on Jesus. For real. Come on. Look, this is the truth, guys. Nothing can separate you from his love. Right? There's so many things that the devil tries to steal this from you. This is the one thing that God came to restore was relationship with you. You better believe that that's the one thing that Satan's going to try to take away from you. That you're not worthy to be in God's presence. You're not able to get close to him. You can't hear his voice. He doesn't really care about you. You better get yourself a stamp when that crap comes across your desk and just go, bull crap, bull crap, send it off, bull crap, send it off. I don't want to hear it. Gonna get gritty tonight. I just my notes are on the ground now. It's all game, game, fair game is everything tonight, right now. Actually, I might want to pick those up. I'm kind of tempted. <laughs> oh, come.
I'm picking them up. <laughs> Dang it. Uh. So if you're in his presence, if you're giving him time, the next thing that's going to automatically happen is that you're going to honor him with obedience. Okay? That sounds like, oh, crap, you hooked us. You talk about all this love stuff, and now out of nowhere you're going to hook us with that obedience stuff. Yeah, now I got to be good. Now I got to do this. Now I got to do this. No. The first thing is still the first thing, right? What was the first thing? That you get to honor him because he gets to reveal himself to you in a real way. The only way that you actually worship him in spirit and in truth is when you actually get to see him for who he is. When he actually comes to your heart and rescues you and you go, oh my gosh, no one else could rescue me but you. And all of a sudden you have real worship in your heart. So where does that go from there? Okay, you experience the grace of God and you experience the love of God, right? That's what actually enables you to love him back. What did Jesus say was loving God? He said, if you love me, you'll, you'll do what I say, right? So obedience is actually just an, a, a natural response of love, okay? This isn't hard. This is natural. This is what you were created for. This is how you were designed to function. And it's still all, all of the hard stuff is still on his side of the table. He's just like, oh, you screwed up again. You know how hard it is to love people when they screw up? You know how hard it is to love people when they mess with you? You know how hard it is to love people when they totally screw you over? And we do it to God all the time, and he just goes, ah, oh, yeah, I get to love him. I get to love him and so, so that he can love me back. And he loves us to life and loves us back to loving him. And our obedience then just becomes an overflow of our love to him. We just bind ourselves to his will and bind ourselves to, to his, um, his ways. And we go, God, your ways are better than my ways. And, and you just continually repent and continually receive grace until it breaks through your heart and you get set free of a pattern of sin in your life. This happened to me, guys. This happened to me for, like, really intense stuff, like addictions to drugs, addictions to alcohol, addictions to sex and pornography. I just broke every time on the floor in my room, weeping and crying, receiving the love of God. And you know what it produced in me? Obedience. Because I felt his love. Because I experienced the reality of God loving me in the midst of my sin and failure. And he came through and totally wrecked me and brought me to a place of obedience. Just naturally because he loved me and I got to love him back. And it turned into that fruit. Oh, this is so good. Hmm. Honor him with your finances. Guys, this is, this is setting yourself up, setting your life up for success. I've been in so much need. Katie and I, when we left and went to Austria, we went on a loan from the government, basically, because we got this first-time homebuyer's um, $7,500 like, like bonus plan or whatever surplus thing to try to boost the economy. We're like, okay, we'll take that, and we'll move to another country and do missions for Jesus and spend it all. And I'm still paying that sucker back every year. That's all right. Because when I was over there and I didn't have a job, I didn't have any way to make money, and I was just trying to follow him, not saying that I did it perfect every time. We were just trying to follow him. We're like 
two days away from be, having a late payment on our mortgage and our credit going down, and then all of a sudden, who knows what will happen. Maybe we'll lose our house. We're freaking out, and boom, like hundreds of dollars show up in our bank account, have no idea how it got there, have no idea. I have years and years and years of notebooks where every single cent that I made is documented and I check mark off when I tithe it and when I gave offerings and who I gave offerings to. I have it documented. You know why? Because that's what works for me. I'm talking anything. I'm talking that man just bought me $10 worth of gas. That's like 10 bucks in my pocket. And yes, I'm going to tithe off of that. I'm talking every, every year choosing to look and find another missionary to support, looking and trying to find every chance I get to give and honor somebody with my finances. I started this when I was 13 years old. As soon as I found out I should be tithing off of my gross pay and not just my net pay, bam, I changed. I changed it over, man. All that money was mine. The government can take some. I ain't going to reduce that for God. What, are you kidding me? Some of you guys don't know what I'm talking about because you don't work, but dang, you're going to figure it out. Oh, come on. It's so exciting. It's so exciting to, to get this because it's like it's really entering into a lifestyle of, of expectation and hope. You... How much, how lame would it be to live inside of what you can do on your own? Because you, like Seth, you could, you're a sharp, handsome looking, athletic, beautiful guy. You could probably go to school, get a good degree, make tons of money, but you still can't do stuff that God can do. And I'm saying, if that's what you want to do, do it, because that would be great. But he's always going to magnify our little, little things that we can do. He's always going to take our stuff and make it better, right? Ah. All right. Well, that's really good. Ah. It's funny to me that it's like I've been listening to some teachings about honor and stuff, and it's really prophetic people that talk about honor. And... It, like, makes so much sense because if you guys, like, think about it, the prophets, these guys who are, like, seeing into the future, they look at honor as this huge, valuable thing because they look at it and they see not only the seed that it is, but they see the fruit that it can produce. So I'm just saying, declaring all over all of y'all right now that you're prophets, and I'm commanding, like, vision into you to be able to see the fruit in your life from today that you can reap if you choose a lifestyle of honor. Can you go there? Can you believe that, like, you have what it takes as a creation of God, as, a, as someone who is made in his image, to go, like, yeah, I can see the future? That's hope, man. If you got hope, you're prophetic. Seriously. So, I got this. Um, clip that I want to show you too. And just to talk about honoring what you've been given. Okay. One of the most like uh, gut checking things that I've, I've heard recently was that you will not be judged compared to this person or that person. I'm not going to get to heaven and God go like, well, Hannah did better than you at this. I'd be like, crap. 
I didn't know that I was competing. I didn't know that it was a competition. If it was, if Christianity was a competition, my wife would not be a Christian. I guarantee it because she hates competition. She just likes to do it together with everyone. Unless it's Skippo, then she kicks my face in. <laughs> but the reality of the, the question at the pearly white golden diamond blinged out gates is going to be, what did you do with what I gave you? I was like, oh my gosh, help me Jesus. Because I can look around and go, yeah, I'm doing good, pretty good compared to that guy and that guy. Yeah, I'm following the Lord. I you know, got set free from this and that. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. And God goes, uh, check yourself. Because to whom much is given, much is required, right? That's, yeah, that's in the Bible. And so what does that mean? It just means live life sold out for God. Live life totally, totally laid down to him. Live life to honor him. Live life to give him everything that he gives you so that when you get there, he looks at you and goes, whoa, you were a good steward with the life that I gave you. Holy cow, you really stayed in the, the zone of thankfulness and gratitude and you let me bless you and prosper you because of your, because of your attitude and because of the, the hope of your faith. And this guy, probably not a Christian, but he definitely has got some gratitude and a really, really, really good um, attitude of honor for what he's been given. So, Amelia, I don't know if you can play that. That'd be sweet. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, resume is good. Can you turn it up? Welcome back to Dose. We're hanging out on a beautiful New York City afternoon with one and only Aaron Wheels Fotheringham from Nitro Circus. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me, buddy. Hell yeah. Man. First up, what are you doing here in New York? I'm just hanging out. No, I'm here in New York just promoting, getting ready for the Nitro Circus shows coming up in January. Well, I heard you sketched some cabs up in Midtown yeah. today. Yeah, man. I had to catch a cab, so I figured the best way was the back bumper. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad, dude. Was there ever, like, moments before all this happened that you, even in your wildest dreams, thought that the culmination of this would be your name up in lights at Madison Square Garden? I never, never once thought, you know, this would happen. Like, I'm at the top of the round, and I look around, and Chad Kagey's up there. I'm just like, that's Chad Kagey. Like, I'm starstruck still to this day, and it's even cooler that he's helped me out. Chad's always there when I have a question or help, you know? Like, he's a real helpful dude, and it's just, it's cool to be able to ride with the people that inspired me, you know? That's what's up. You know, if, if people don't know your story and sort of how you ended up being in a wheelchair, um, you know, what led to that? What's what's the situation? Uh, I was born with spina bifida. It's something to do with your back. It never really seemed like something I needed to focus on. So I just kind of just all I know is I got spina bifida and it's given me a great opportunity, you know. A big vibe towards wheelchairs. I've got is, oh, I'm bifida sorry, and it's or, given oh, me blah, a great blah, blah, blah. opportunity. Like, I had a guy come up to me recently and put his hand on my shoulder, and he told me sorry, and I was kind of like a little offended, actually pretty offended. Yeah. I was like, whoa, like I love being on a wheelchair. As weird as that sounds, it has given me everything. Like without the wheelchair, probably wouldn't be where I am today doing what I'm doing. It can really be fun, like a bike, 
It doesn't have to be just a medical instrument. I caught that episode, as did a lot of people of Bob Burnquist's Dreamland, where you are absolutely going ham. You knock out your front teeth, which I see are back. It's a good look. Like, just tell, what was that day like? Man, like, you know, as I was driving to Bob's house, there's that kind of, you're thinking things over in your head, like, wow, am I really volunteering to go do this right now and you know you get real nervous because Meg is gnarly and like when I showed up it's kind of like peaceful in a really messed up kind of way like the ramp is terrifying but it's surrounded by like you know big open land and stuff and you're just kind of like it's real humbling like getting ready to ride this ramp gearing up and you're just like you know hear birds chirping and you know it's kind of really silent and you're just like wow you know it's about to get gnarly. Yes! Oh shit! Oh! I came up short. Dang it! I want to do it again, um, real quick, because at least the teeth are gone now, and I don't have to worry about. Them. I've been dreaming of Mega Ramp and dreaming of riding it for years before I ever got the chance to like. I would wake up from like dreams like, oh, oh, I could do Meg Ramp. I know I can. I just got to get them to let me, you know? And so, I mean, dreaming about it and then having the dream finally come true is, is so cool. Can't wait to go back to his house. Get a better episode of Dreamland. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine you have to sort of continually up the ante and sort of like do crazier stuff. That's good. You know, how do you vision? Come on. He just, uh, he just, just clap or something. I mean, that's crazy. Dude busts his front teeth out and goes, hey, well, at least they're out of the way. Let's go do it again. Like, oh, my gosh. That's the attitude you got to have. It's so crazy. And he's like, well, sorry, I was, like, too excited. I started talking over the video. That was my bad. But he's, he's talking about his history and how he got into a wheelchair and all that stuff and saying that, saying, like, he's got spina bifida, and he's like, it's given me this amazing opportunity like, come on. Doesn't that just, like, mess with you? That, like, let that get in your grill, okay? Like, what kind of things do you have in your life that you're just, like, complaining about that God has really just presented to you as an opportunity to conquer and prove that you're his son or daughter, right? Because every single thing that gets in your face and presents itself as a circumstance or a challenge is only there for you to defeat it. It's only there for you to get up on top of it and go, I told you so. It's only there so you can demonstrate the DNA that, you've, that you have inside of you as a child of God, right? Because he is an overcomer, so therefore you are an overcomer, right? So every single circumstance, every single issue, every single problem, look, you don't even, go ahead and snarl and don't believe me and look at me with stupid looks on your face, but this is the standard that you are living in. This is the reality that life is, is on. This is the level playing field right here. Everybody's got different circumstances, and you all have the same opportunity to be thankful for what you have and then steward it. Okay? Somebody's not up here and somebody else down here and this person's over there. No, you're all on the same level, and you all have the same invitation from God Honor me for what I've given you, steward it, and watch me make it grow. Watch me make it double and triple and tenfold multiply, right? Or you can just bury it in your chest and go, well, you didn't give me enough. Or I'm too afraid to try anything. 
Guys, I'm not saying this with an ego like I'm so much better than everybody else. I'm saying it because it's true. And we all need to get there together. We all need to honor the fact that we have been given so much. Okay, and I could be preaching this thing to people with, that are so freaking poor that they don't have shoes on and it would still count. It would still count because they've been given breath and they've been given life and they've got an opportunity to do something with it. And so do we. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.